0: Hey folks, great to have you with us today. You're with
1: Dig a Little Deeper. Yeah, and where are we we off to today?
0: Well, we're uh, we're back to one of the core principles of the podcast. Once again, we're trying to revisit maybe some of our earliest thoughts and we're returning to the thought of the cutting room floor. You know, that in every preparation of every message and reading broadly, studying broadly, you can't put everything in that you come across and often some really good stuff falls to the cutting room floor. As a matter of fact, often a great message is more about what you leave out than what you put in. Mm. And so we're going to return to the cutting room floor and it's... I guess this one is going to be not just sort of that bit extra, but it was actually cut probably because it might not be fit for consumption. Right. Okay, so yeah. there's the hook. There's the hook. Might not be fit for consumption. It might be just too raw a thought because some things you need to let percolate before you speak them out.
1: Yeah, and I guess on this one we've got we've got an offence warning yeah. that offence is possible, um, but I, I, I suppose also – remembering that the podcast, it's a conversation. So we want to talk about something today. We're not trying to rewrite doctrines or or change anything.
0: That's exactly right. And we're going to an alternate reading. So that's the concept today from The Cutting Room floor. is an alternate reading. So there's more than one way to view the same passage of Scripture, or there is maybe more more than one conclusion that any group of people are going to draw from one Scripture. And it's going to be a little bit controversial. We're going to look at the first Christian martyr uh, who was St. Stephen, basically.
1: Yeah, and hey, being a conversation, can we just say we really appreciate everyone who gives us great feedback about what they're enjoying, what they're finding helpful. It really does put, I guess, gas in our tank mm. um, and, and makes us know we're not just two blokes sitting in a room talking to each <laughs> other through microphones. <laughs> that is helpful. Oh, that's fun though. It is fun, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I guess our heart is that this would be a conversation, so we'd love to hear from you um, as far as questions, it's emails. It's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while.
0: while. It's been a a little bit of a drought of inquiry. So yeah, yeah, it'd be great to hear from you. Feel free. If you're sitting out there thinking, Oh no, but they must just get swamped with emails. I mean we do we do speak to the masses. It's yeah. true.
1: We get swamped with fan mail, yeah. but we need we need questions. Good <laughs> questions. <laughs> That's good. Um, but do so if you have if if uh, if you've got questions, if you've got something that you think's worth adding to the conversation, please send it through. That'd be
0: great. Well, here we go. We're going to jump into, I guess, uh, the book of Acts, Acts, around Acts chapter 6 and 7. And uh, just to give a bit of background, uh, because I can't read all of this passage, we'd have to read the whole of chapter 7, really. But, Obviously which is, the,
1: we're 51 verses deep here, yeah, so that's yeah, a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're drawing deeply <laughs> it, from the a well. Big chapter. It's yeah. a big chapter, chapter seven. And uh, it's mainly because of what we want to talk about, which is a huge discourse uh, by the apostle Stephen or the, the early church figure and leader, Stephen. He was actually a, um, uh, a deacon in the early church and... Uh, And Stephen is called upon to explain his faith. Why are you preaching uh, the resurrection in Jesus Christ? And he gives this really long answer. He's been dragged before you know, a religious court in a sense. The the very ones that persecuted the early church, the ones that, uh, you know, really wanted to see Christ crucified are now coming after the fledgling church. And uh, he gives this long answer. They ask him to, to say, why are you preaching this way? And he begins with a history lesson for Israel recounting just major whistle stops. It's like a whistle stop tour of the first five books. And um, he ends quoting you know, a really nice psalm about God's true dwelling place. And then in verse 51, uh, it's just like a bit of a snap happens. So he's doing a history lesson. He's quoting a psalm. And verse 51 says this, he he changes tack dramatically. You stiff necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, which I'm sure, you know, that's an odd term. Ears are uncircumcised, hearts are uncircumcised. But, uh, you know, for the Jewish mind, certainly circumcision, in a sense, revealed revealed fruitfulness. And so, in a way, he's saying, you know, you are fruitless. Your hearts bear nothing. Your ears cannot hear. They're closed. Um, You are just like your ancestors. Now he's picking on... They heroes of the faith you know uh, mm-hmm. who had just given a full review of all their faults as he gave this history he talked about all the ways Israel had you know walked away from God betrayed God walked without faith you know um, so he's recounting their faults and he's comparing them to those people that they knew had missed the mark you always and just stop there when he says you always <laughs> you always resist the Holy Spirit uh, any one of us so I guests who have been involved in marriage counselling on any level, it's probably one of those words, always and never, uh, two words that don't work well in relationship. Mm. Uh, In a marriage, for example, your partner only has to remember once when they did not do something that you're saying they always do, and straight away you have got a, a... Irresistible force meets an unmovable object, you know. And so, this is Stephen. You know, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, talking about Christ. And now. You have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. And when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. And then the passage goes on, of course, that they, they follow through on that anger and they, they stone him to death. They kill him right there in the street. Um, so this is like a, a such a damning accusation, a mm. challenge, you know, and, and the fact is you look at this and Stephen knew his stuff. If you read that whole chapter, he gives a brilliant, you know, tour through the Old Testament and their, their journey through Abraham and Moses and Moses predicting the coming of Christ. Stephen knew his stuff, but then there's like this definite Almost like a snap, yeah, an emotional outburst at the end of the passage that leads to his martyrdom to his death.
1: Mm. Yeah, and I guess I'd always read this passage as, and it's you know it it really is. It's the first Christian martyr. It's, mm-hmm. it's it, he's a real hero in the faith. And how I had read it was definitely, you know, he's confronting the religious leaders. He's you know he's coming he's going out guns blazing, and you know he's really having a crack at them. But I guess, yeah, I wonder, and maybe that's where we're going today. Is there, is there something more that's that's going on here?
0: Yeah, well, look, I've always seen it that way, you know. As this is an anointing thing, you know, the Spirit of God came on him, and he's confronting and shouting down the religious oppression and and intimidation and he's confronting them with truth and, you know, all all of that's true in one sense that he's definitely, you know, a man of God and he's confronting the situation. But now I'm not so sure that it's just an anointing thing. I I actually think if you can read this and you can see a lot of humanity in it, it's a very human thing. If you look at Stephen's, you know, speech, his message, when he opens up in verse 51 and, and just opens fire, it reeks of frustration. It reeks of anger. It reeks of a sense of injustice that he has. Um, and and you, you sort of can't get over that. This is where I think we've got to be open to the humanity of scripture. And I guess that's why I'm saying this is maybe an alternate reading from, wow, Stephen, so amazing. The anointed man of God confronting with truth. And it's like, yes, all of that is true, but also there's something else deeper going on. There's a human story. Mm. And you, you know, I think anyone reading that passage will honestly see the frustration that's coming out of Stephen just in his word selection alone. Yeah. Um, And I can't. It just makes me wonder. And I guess this is the this is the The conversation. The conversation. This is the potential offence. You know, I can't help but wonder if this. You know, first wonderful martyr's death was actually a little unnecessary.
1: I guess so. What are 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 what you're trying to say is was it not so much triggered by a spiritual clash of of darkness and light, but maybe it was actually just too very human reactions.
0: Yeah, well, look, Stephen Stephen literally, I mean, if you wanted to to put it in real savage terms, (laughs) Stephen loses it and becomes an accuser. And then the audience responds with the myth of redemptive violence. Basically, you know, that that classic human thought, kill the problem, bomb the problem. It's actually really predictable human behavior, the response. So, you know, sometimes we just over-spiritualize these things and we lose the humanity of it. But here is Stephen. He's he's seen his, his Lord crucified. The Spirit's being poured out. People are being healed. People are being out of the church in thousands. And here is the entrenched religious system determined to resist what God is doing at every turn. And I just wonder if we, you know, we do the scripture an injustice and we even do Stephen injustice, if we rob him of his humanity. And right. we we just like to, you know, sanctify and sanctify everyone in Scripture. And that's not really the case. They were people like you and I, although tremendously moved by the Spirit. Um And and I think here, when I read a passage like this, I have to remember that just because something's in the Bible, it doesn't mean God wanted it. There's lots of things in the Bible you can point out that aren't the will of God. And one of the problems with being, you know, way too literal or way too stilted in our interpretation and leaving humanity out and leaving the dynamics of the context and the pressure of society and all of that, when we leave those things out, we just end up with really bland, one-dimensional insight Mm -hmm. into Scripture. Whereas if we allow, you know, Scripture to be both human and and God, it is inspired, but written by people. Yeah. If we allow it to be verbal plenary inspiration in that sense, then it it adds a depth, and we see the humanity in it.
1: Yeah, and I guess, like in this case as well, sometimes we can read, you know, something that a uh, a Christian is uh, a follower of Jesus says in the scripture, and take that as that is what God said. Yeah. You know, that was <laughs> that was what God said to the Sanhedrin, where it was like, actually, no, that was. Stephen in Stephen's words. and Very true. And I guess we kind of see, if we're looking at this concept, we see that reflected in so much of church history and mm. church in general, the broad Christianity in general, mm. where it's been more about pointing a finger of accusation mm. and less about the hope of resurrection. And I think a lot of what the church in general, the church universal kind of cops is from our world is quite a, re- a quite a predictable reaction to what at times has been a graceless approach. Like there should be no surprise sometimes in the yeah. way the world acts mm-hmm. with some of the actions that w- that Christianity has taken and things that have been said. It's no surprise that things have burned up.
0: Yeah, and I guess we do see it. Um, we see that on a world stage that at times exactly what you're saying the church has been the accuser and the world gnashes at the church with its teeth mm-hmm. and the world picks up stones very willingly to, to, you know, to put down the the accuser. And uh, and it's just interesting when we talk about that and even using that word. I mean, accuser is one of the names of Satan. That's not what we're called to be. Right. Um, and again, and it comes up often on the podcast, probably because we just live in this world of social media, et cetera. Uh, it, it's why it's not helpful just to be a, a strident voice out there putting everything down. Mm. Um you know, that we've actually got good news to share and we've got to find a way of communicating that in a society gone mad in so many ways. I mean, I am not in the slightest bit saying there's not major things wrong with uh, with where society's headed right now, but we we are called to preach good news, That's yeah. simple, um, and we're called to preach the resurrection. We're called to p- preach the potential of new life, of resurrection, of things that have died. I mean, that's the message of the cross. Mm. And I guess that's how you could contrast maybe even – uh, Peter's early messages and Stephen's messages and I'm drawing a bit of a long bow here but if I if I just look at it from a bit of a distance and pull back and I look at the Apostle Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost and and preaching uh, after healing the lame man you know Peter got away with it in a sense because he he had great challenge in his message but he always finished with hope and appeal mm-hmm. you know if you repent, times of refreshing will come from the Lord if you if you change your thinking on this if you turn around and turn back to God God's gonna bless you the way He's blessed us. So it wasn't an in or out. It wasn't an accusatory thing. Um, whereas Stephen's message actually just ends in accusation alone. Now it could be argued that that's because they all lost the plot and they never get it. Let him get to the punchline. Mm-hmm. It could easily be argued that, and and I yeah I I could see that in the reading as well.
1: And I mean, even with I mean with Peter, you know, he preaches and has hope and they still want to kill him. Yeah. Like that, that, that is still their response. But yeah. I think it is worth contrasting and looking at the two different approaches yeah. that they take.
0: Because I look at this passage and I think it's like the spirit of the world, you know, the spirit of the age kicks in with both parties. Um, maybe Stephen got to the point of real frustration and, and he just unloads on them and then, you know, the, the spirit of the age is very much push me, shove you. Mm. You know, so he's feeling pushed by them and he definitely is getting pushed by them. There's, It is unjust persecution he's facing and the church is facing. So it's push me and he, you know, again, alternate reading, alternate reading folks, not a new doctrine. Maybe he pushed back. In the same spirit, rather than reacting in an opposite spirit, and and then of course what happens is the spirit of the age just becomes empowered and angered, and it rises up and wants to have the final say, and the final say is always death. You know, when when sin when sin comes forth, it brings forth death, and um, and that's what we kind of see here.
1: And I guess you see that in a lot of Paul's teaching as well, where he's even talking to slaves and stuff like that about hey, being obedient. To your, to your masters because, you know, if you, we're not trying to start a political uprising yeah, here and yeah. you're going to get yourself killed and a dead message won't <laughs> yeah. kind of travel. So I guess talking about on an alternative reading, what would you see as some of the things um, that you would see in this looking from a different perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, a very different perspective might be this. Um, maybe this story's included as a clear warning of how not to preach the gospel, and that's why we made the offense warning. I mean, hey, come on, we're just looking at it. We're digging a bit deeper. We're not trying to say a new doctrine. We're just saying maybe there's another way, another facet to this diamond. Maybe this is a clear warning of how not to preach the, go- the gospel. As we've already said, was there any good news in it? Mm. Well, Stephen certainly didn't get the chance to bring any good news into it, but um, so the the, the the alternate reading would say stuff to us like die on the right hill, mm. you know, like literally he died on that hill, and and you've got to, you've got to wonder. And by hill, I mean that issue. Die on the die for the right issues, you know, die for the right thing, die for the resurrection, uh, but be persecuted for your hope in the resurrection from the dead, but not because you you don't like the opposition, you know. And so, dying on the right hill, you you have to wonder. Um, you know, how differently these could have things could have gone if um if Stephen was, you know, around for the next forty of years of the church teaching as a we he'd probably we'd have probably have a book written by Stephen. Um so the first warning is die on the right hill. In other words, don't repeat some of church history. Some of church heat, history is not worth repeating. Mm. Um uh, another thing would be everything in the Bible is not necessarily the will of God, as already mentioned. It's not necessarily wisdom. Sometimes what we see in Scripture is anti-wisdom, and we've got to be open to that. It's like just because it's there, again, that ultra-literalistic ultra-liter- approach, everything is like God whispering in someone's ear and they wrote it down. If, if you approach Scripture that way, it's going to mess you up. Some of what's recorded is recorded for our benefit to learn from. You know, and it's not necessarily wisdom.
1: Yeah, and I guess in this case, I mean, even, even just looking at the, the 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 bare facts of it, it's like if you want the same outcome as Stephen, like maybe this is like if you preach this kind of message at people, this is probably how they're going to respond, which yeah. I think doesn't take anything away from, from Stephen. No, it's not like, at what, all. What's the outcome that you're looking for? Um, If you're looking to get stoned in that sense, if you're looking for people to arc up and fight back, we've we've got a great example in Stephen um, of of what kind of might lead to that response. Again, taking that they potentially had made up their minds anyway. Anyway, yeah.
0: yeah. And and look, without a doubt as you read those first seven chapters of Acts, the pressure is building. Mm. From the day of Pentecost where thousands are swept in, and then miracles and they're brought before tribunals, they're threatened, they're beaten. It's escalating. And so Stevens might have just been the pressure relief valve too. Mm. So again, not, not trying to make a new doctrine out of this, just trying to make some observations around the human side of it. Mm. Um Another part of the reading that you or what you could see in the reading this way, and which I think is really powerful is the ability of scripture to speak to different need through the same story, you know, depending really, I guess, on your circumstantial lens. So for example, I thought about this and I thought, you know, to the complacent church, to a complacent church without persecution, a church that's sort of just, you know, keeping the home fires burning and everything's sort of honky dory, keeping a low profile in there in their society and um, it really is a stirring inspiration to preach fearlessly. And be willing to risk all. Mm, You can't that is what that story is about. It's like, wow, people in the past have nailed their colours to the wall and been prepared to die for the faith. Yeah. And there might come a time where we need to be that kind of person. And I think to the to a complacent church, I could I could say that. I mean, I would include me in that. To me, this is an exhortation for me to just rise up and be bolder in my faith. Okay. Mm. But tempered with the wisdom of make sure that the hill I'm gonna die on is the right message. Right. It's not accusatory, it's good news. It's resurrection and hope in Christ. Things can be different. Dead things can come back to life. What you have lost in your life, what this world has taken from you, what is what the thief has stolen, Jesus wants to bring back. Mm-hmm. There's the story. Yeah. Um then, you know, that's to a complacent church, but and, and, and I guess the message might be he who wins souls is wise. You know, so grab that proverb: "He who, who wins souls is wise." It's an exhortation to be about the master's business. But if you look at church in totally different circumstances, like recently, we're overseas and we were with with churches that suffer very real and very violent persecution, bombings and fires and beatings or murders of leaders, that kind of thing. Persecution is real. What does this say to them? Because for them, if they read it as, wow, and many of them have in the past, you know, this is what you need to do to advance Christianity. You end up with the church stripped of leadership. You Mm. you end up with a church that actually is, is struggling. It doesn't always... You know, just the blood of the martyrs waters the soil. I've heard that kind of concept in the past. And in some places in church history, that's true. In other places in church church history, it's just been a disaster for the church. Mm. And so the church in persecution reading this could actually take the alternate reading. and, And basically the exhortation then is what Jesus said to be, uh, as wise as serpents but gentle as doves. Yeah, yeah. You know, among the world be as wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. It it could be the exhortation to go that way. So really in one sense the way that you read it and I think this is so true of all scripture the way that we read Scripture could just be a revelation of the circumstances you actually find yourself in, Yeah, the circumstantial lens that you bring to Scripture.
1: Yeah, which I think just points to as well. Like nothing can take away from Stephen's commitment and willingness to give it all. No. Which, which again, will probably stay the primary way to read this is that, man, this was yeah. a courageous guy who was not afraid mm-hmm. to, again, nail these colours to the wall, the mark of so many early Christian Martyrs. Yeah. But I think it's great to, hey, is there another facet to the story way of that's at, worth looking at?
0: Yeah, and look, I think it's important that we actually finish at the end of the story really too. And verses 59 and 60 is a real testament to where Stephen landed. Whatever happened to trigger the the violence and uh, his death ultimately he ended well in his heart even if there was some frustration at the start it says while they were stoning him you know literally while the rocks were striking his body stephen prayed lord jesus receive my spirit then he fell to his knees and cried out lord do not hold this sin against them mm-hmm. when he'd said this he fell asleep which is you know a kind bible way of saying he died um and so, you know, for me, I, reading this last verse, one of our recent podcasts was about getting context right. I think it's so important you read the whole passage. Did you just don't jump on, yeah. oh, look, he's angry. But you end up where you end up here reading the whole story is Stephen really was forgiving to the extreme. Yeah. So obviously there was no bitterness. You know, doesn't mean that there wasn't the frustration or the the anger, but he wasn't gnashing at them with his teeth. He wasn't the angry one mm. in that sense, although he wasn't the violent one. Um, there was no bitterness, and he he could forgive them and just release it. Um, but I just think it's um, it, you know, it's been interesting to look at an alternate reading and looking at the human emotions involved.
1: Yeah. So I guess without making too much of the above, not making a new doctrine it's still really a strong reminder for us to walk humbly before both God and people.
0: Yeah, yeah, so true. And maybe, you know, maybe the prayer we need to pray today is just as simple as, Lord, help us to walk this fine line of preaching an effective good news message.
1: Hey, it's Essie. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you liked it, give it five stars. And while you're waiting for next week's episode, turn your phone off and go to the beach. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>